0: Radio Lucha. Radio Lucha is a podcast project produced by the Raza Press and Media Association. The goal of Radio Lucha is to provide a space for the voices of independent grassroots struggles for self-determination on the question of prisons, migrante rights, mujeres, education, media, community, politics, y cultura. Q-Vole Raza is a podcast show of Radio Lucha, a project of the Raza Press and Media Association. We are a show that focuses on interviews and discussions with those that are on the front lines of struggle for self-determination and liberation. We are broadcasting to you from the city of Chiques, Califas. All right. Welcome to our October 2011 show. Uh, We we have a great show today. We have two guests coming in uh, from our phone lines and going to be discussing two important things that are near and dear to my heart, uh, as myself as a former teacher and also somebody that does organizing work around prisoner rights. We have Kelly Flores who's going to be coming on. She's with UTLA uh, in Los Angeles, among other organizations. Going to be talking about what's happening with the Occupy LA USD movement. And then after that, we're going to play a few songs, and in between, uh, in the middle and the end. And then after, we're going to be uh, having our second guest, who is. Manuel Lafonte, he's an organizer up in the Bay Area. He's a formerly, uh, former prisoner who is now an organizer in the community. So that's our show. Uh, but before we, we start off, you know, I'm, uh, we're happy to have for the first time here in studio uh, at Radio Lucha is our, our friend Julio. Julio Alcala, he's been organizing in, in our county for as long as I've been organizing, which is at least 15 years. How are you doing, carnal?
1: I'm great, man. Thanks for having me over. You guys are putting on a great show.
0: Yeah, you know, look at, look at, you know, um, uh, we have some of these tools at our disposal. You know, Louis here has brought his experience in organizing uh, podcast shows such as this out in East Mich- uh, in Michigan, where he was at uh, with Radio Free Aslan. And so, you know, this is this is a, a the West Coast version expansion of this project because, you know, there's not enough of our voices in the mainstream corporate media. So this is our way. Guerrilla radio warfare, if you will, of coming in and putting down some of these these issues that aren't coming on. You know what I'm saying?
1: I hear you, brother. And this this whole new wave of pirate radio is what I call it. Is really putting in a lot of uh good voices out to the public, and I think the public is really really enjoying that.
0: Right, especially because you you know we in in one of the um in one of the columns that's going to come out on the Guerrero de la Pluma. Uh, this this uh, winter so uh, that we want you guys to check out at the association.org I, I wrote a piece uh, that that talks about that, you know, that talks about what we call the fallacy of free speech and access to the, the press within the capitalist center where, where you have a handful of corporations controlling all of the media and what's shown on one channel, you switch over, they're almost exactly talking about the same thing and then they repeat itself and repeat itself 24-7 plus a bunch of commercials in between. You know what I mean?
1: Right, right. It's like everybody's looking at the same kind of Wizard of Oz world. But we all know what's behind the curtain, right?
0: That's right. You know, that's funny that you brought that up because uh, we were just talking about the Wizard of Oz recently, you know, uh, where, where where you know, there is a per- there's this, these corporations. Facades, yeah, there's yeah. these facades. <laughs> facades is a great word, man, you know. You know what I think about, man, when when you say that, you know, in those cartoons back in the day, yeah, yeah. like uh uh Bugs Bunny, where he's walking down some some ghost town in, right. in, in 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 the West or or whatever, and but they're all props. They're all sets, they're yeah, all sets. yeah, yeah. And from behind there there's the reality, which is a desert, you know? Right. A desert right. of nothing. And that's really what the corporate media is, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I hear that you guys are speaking to some um awesome um people today about how the whole facade of America and you know pe- people are losing their jobs or losing chances for education, but at the same time we're, we're opening up all these
0: prisons. So it's like, what's really going on, right? That's right, man. And and what is really going on? And and to talk to us today a little bit about that is going to be our, our first guest, who's, yeah, yeah. who's Kelly Flores, and she happens to be a comrade of ours. She's been organizing for quite some time. Um, not only is she an organizer, she's a mother, she's a teacher, she's an educator, uh, she's a community organizer, uh, she's a mujer. Yeah. So, so uh, she's somebody that that can speak to the issues, you know that yeah. because she's there, you know what right, I mean? Right, right. In the heart of Los Angeles. Well, man. they're
1: doing. She's doing work right now. They're, she's out at the at the gathering. No, Where's, that's right.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's right. She's at Occupy LAUSD. Okay, which is kind of like a a a spring off, if you will, of some of these Occupy movements. What do you think about what's happening with these Occupy? Uh, wall street and beyond. right
1: right no i think it's great i I think it's really important at first i was listening to the radio the other day and they were just talking about how they don't know how to cover it because it's coming off from so many different angles but i think that's what's so great about it it's like well we don't have one group kind of like taking over the whole idea and everybody's kind of coming together um i think it's really important that that people are out there you know and supporting even if they don't understand what's going on they need to go over there and just try to Figure out, you know, if, if they if they're kind of ignorant to the fact that, you know, the Wizard of Oz effect is happening right now where we are kind of being kept blind to many things and a lot of money isn't going to be being used to, you know, help um, the community. That is a place where you could kind of get the basics.
0: Yeah, we've been we've been, uh, you know, I've been following. I'll be honest, I haven't been to an Occupy Action.
1: But we've we've been doing that forever, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, you know, thanks for
0: saying that, you know, because. <laughs> You know these particular uh, demos, demonstrations, right, protests right. are, are uh, just a, another layer continuity. of continuity, continuity. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, um, and and you know you're right. It, it's it's a space. It's a space for for people from all spectrums, right, to get to you know know each other and sometimes debate each other because right. there's a lot of that going on. Oh yeah. But finding out about each other's struggles and then taking it back to your communities. That's that's gonna be the that's gonna be the hard part, right? That after this, you take back what you've learned and, and and or have been doing and 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 solidify it on the ground in your barrio. You right,
1: know? like you were saying, one of the the speakers is gonna, is for a teacher, right? So she's taking it to the school district, right? That's right. Right, right,
0: right, and and one of the biggest school districts in in all of these these territories, right? Which is Los Angeles. A word. The second biggest Mexican Mexicano uh, capital outside of Mexico City. Right. Why? Right. Because you know they, we we're here. We've been here, right? Um. So. So with that, you know, Julio, man, it's it's great to have you. We hope that you're gonna come back and join us. You're gonna join us again, man.
1: Oh, not only that, but man, I'm gonna blow this up on all over the internet. Oh, right
0: on. And that's that's another tool that we have at our disposal, you know, right. at this point in time, right. And so with that, we're gonna uh, you know bring up our our first uh, guest, uh, compañera Kelly, compañera Kelly. How you doing, sister?
2: I'm good. come are
0: Good, good. Well, thank you for coming out today here on Kibula Raza. You know, we know that you're in the middle of an actual protest and you guys just came from a caminata and things like that. We could actually hear people in the background. Well, this is great. Can you tell us a little bit about, uh, first of all, who you are, you know, the work that you've been doing and also uh, what's going on today? What
2: is going on? Um, I'm out here, you know, I'm a teacher. So, what um, I belong to is the Union of uh, the United Teachers of Los Angeles. Um, I'm also a longtime activist and organizer with Union Barrio, as you all know. And um, as a teacher, I belong to what we have as the Education Committee. And then recently um, started the Political Action Committee of the Union as well, and the Central Area Steering Committee. And we're out here today in solidarity with the Occupy movement that's going around the nation and worldwide. And we're saying, what we need, too, is to uh, keep that theme that a lot of the occupiers are saying that the banks took our money and take that money and give it back to the public, and in particular, into our schools. And so we're saying no to giving more money to corporations, give it to education.
0: That's right. That's a, that's a principal demand, you know, because, uh, you know, that education is a foundation for for, for us to be able to read ride, you know, uh, fight back, organize for self-determination. So we understand that public education or education in general, uh, you know, critical critical dialogue and analysis is important. So so what is it that you're doing out there today? What is it that, that's happening and why are you guys uh, organizing? Well,
2: what we're doing out here today is we're doing a, 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 a march. We march from downtown to the office of the District of Los Angeles, which we call the Bodery Building. And so... Um, what I wanted you to to know is that we're protesting the district as well for you know uh, listening to the interests of the one percent, right? So we're saying you know the 99 percent is actually the students, or the teachers, and the workers of our school, and so therefore you know they should be listening to the communities that they serve rather than listening to the corporate interests, right? And so what we've done is we marched from the Occupy movement in front of City Hall downtown to the district building, which is you know um, several blocks away also downtown Los Angeles, which is the um, Los Angeles Unified you know, School District building. And we're out here with a, a press conference that's been going on for about, I'd say, a good 40 minutes now. Um, and we are also planning to camp out right here and occupy uh, the, the school district building.
0: Okay, so so who's being affected by, by the cutbacks, you know? Like you mentioned uh, the students, teachers, and all that. Who's being affected, And or how is the, the how are the schools being affected by all these cutbacks and... and uh, you know, with the money going out to the banks and corporations?
2: Oh, my God. That is the question of the day. Let me tell you, comrade, because I know that you work as a teacher as well in the school system. And um, what we have is, you know, since I've been teaching, I've always had is cuts and cuts and more cuts. And so for the past year um, and this year, too, I've been at a brand-new school because with the bonds money, they opened up the school. And my student's my, my question of the day is... Uh, Teacher, maestra, why do they open new schools if they, can't, if they can't have teachers to teach in the schools, if they can't put enough people here to make the school run properly? You know, those are the questions that my students have. You know, what kind of answers can I give them? Oh, well, mijo, you know what? The money was there then and they opened the school, but you know what? Uh, I'm sorry, they keep cutting. And where are they cutting from? They're cutting from the bottom, you know? They're cutting us out. They're cutting the direct services related to the students instead of cutting out the top. You know, we know that the, the superintendent makes well over $250,000 a year, you know, and we we also know that there's private contractors within the, uh, within the school district that, you know, make the, in the triple digits. I mean, I kid you not. There's a comrade here who is able to print out the salaries of the private contractors that make over $300,000 a year. And that's ridiculous. Why are you cutting at the bottom? Why are you cutting the janitors that keep the school clean for, our, you know, our kids? Why are you cutting the teachers that teach in the schools? Why are you cutting the most essential items, the nurse, the librarians, you know? Um, the psychologists, you know, we have to pay for those positions, so where are we getting that money? So with these budget cuts, you know, the the, the rich communities are, have been able to survive because their parents have put in and they have a community support with the the wealth that's in those neighborhoods. And our neighborhoods in the inner city, where Arasa and African live, there isn't that kind of monetary support, that wealthy support. So where do we get our funds? Well we don't. We have to compensate. We have to go through these programs asking for money. The how every time they're putting the blame for the lack that are you know that exists within the school district on the teachers. And they want better results and better results. So we've been giving those better results. We've been able to improve scores, we've been able to, you know, pull our uh, our students together and at least at least at a very minimal amount get more of our students to graduate and go to college because that's the effort we've been putting into it. Yet the lies continue out there putting this blame on teachers when it's actually the system itself that really does not want to educate our people or our students especially.
0: Right, and so so what kind of imp- direct impact, for example, is, uh, let's say, for, uh, happening in the classroom? You know, what what are you seeing or what are the teachers seeing as a direct impact on the in the classroom and on the campus with all these cuts?
2: The direct impact is that we, in our classrooms, we have students that don't have chairs to students, okay? We're not even talking about desks here. We're talking about simply a chair. We have students uh, in classes that are 45 students above in core classes, in core classes alone. Don't even talk about PE or in the other elective classes, okay? In addition to that... Um, the direct impact that we have inside the classroom are the lack of resources we don't have um, you know in the paper, this is crazy right, we need paper to be able to, uh, you know, we have this, this supplemental lesson plans. they don't give us those workbooks all the time, so we have to make copies but we don't have the paper, we don't have the ink for the copy machines, you know, I mean the list goes on and on, we also don't have the personnel to help with the supervision, you know, the students want to have a little bit of freedom on the campus, but we have nobody to supervise them, so you know, it's like we have to take out our time to do it, we, I mean it just goes on and on, the list is on on of, of overtaxing people where You've got, you know, uh, teachers taking on the jobs of all the people that have been cut. So you've got a teacher who's now the nurse, who's now the psychologist, who's now, you know, the dean. Because the teachers have taken those roles on. Right. So And you, now they're asking us mm-hmm. to be the librarians too, just to let you know.
0: That's right. I mean it seems like like uh, you know, they're putting a lot of demands from the top but not not funding them. You know what I mean? So and and, and I also had read that that um not only what the the private the privatization you know we're talking about corporations right how do you right. all see the whole priv privatization of, of the schools you know how's that looking what is it
2: how does it look for um, the privatization for our schools well you know what you have these people bidding for our schools right you have like these um, millionaires coming in and like you like road and company own actually the building that the district occupied on and trying to um, force us to you know um, take on their, you know, their curriculum, for example, or if they produce, like, you know, the textbook companies, you know, everybody's got to purchase a certain program that supposedly is going to improve, you know, the test scores. It also looks like, you know, the schools being turned over to, to corporate charters. I mean, that's what we have all over the South LA is corporate charters being given these schools, right? And um, we've seen how they, you know, have to, in order for them to survive, because they also have, have to, you know, increase test scores, how they exclude, you know, RASA who have special needs, um, or they exclude, you know, the students who have... Um, like any, any type of student that has a special leader like IEPs, or students that are performing low you know they have this cherry picking process and they have a selective process you know that they go through but we don't have to we have to take all the teachers so you know I've heard people say you know the inner-city schools are becoming the ones that are public that are coming becoming like special ed centers and you know I take a sense to that to some degree because I am a special education teacher but to another degree I understand what they're saying because the school I worked at last year the inner city charter is dumped on our school. You know, and that was right before testing day. So right before um, May, you know, around March, April, all these kids were being, um, you know, spun from their school into our school. And they would come in and they would say, you know, well, our school said they didn't have the resources to, uh, you know, to, to for us or our school didn't no, have the resources. We didn't have the program, the special program that we needed. So, you know, those were the reasons that they were coming into our school.
0: Oh, really. um, Okay, so, so uh, in our next, check this out. Can you make a connection, compañera, between um the cutbacks in schools and the advanced uh you know building of the prison industrial complex because our next speaker after you is is going to be talking about uh you know the conditions that the prisoners are going through in in the pinta so how is that correlated you know how how is the cuts in schools correlated to to what happens to the students uh et cetera
2: so that's pretty obvious, I think. You know, um, you know, just it's called a pipeline to prison, from school to prisons. And, you know, they, from what I understand is that, you know, they build these new prisons based on the number of um, people that they can estimate out they estimate, you know, are, are past the third grade but are at third grade reading levels. I've heard that, and I've heard people corroborate that. So I'm thinking that, you know, there's got to be some evidence on that. And obviously when you have a population of people who um, are undereducated or miseducated and don't have access to jobs, so that's the other portion to it, and also do not have access to higher universities for any type of decent, you know, wages that exist. Now, I don't know at this moment if that does, if those jobs still exist, right? But even if they had that access, they actually, they don't have this opportunities because when you're selling the students in inner-city schools, obviously you're selling them, you know, all the way through society. So they set up these prisons, right, for those, for that, that, that potential because people, they can't make um, ends meet. By uh, you know the, the quote unquote civil way they've got to make ends the other way especially when you have a family so you know it's quite understandable uh, you know and the, the prison population you know has been growing um, they've been criminalizing our, our people for not having papers you know they're saying that you know undocumented people are committing a crime by crossing the border we know that that's not true I mean the list goes on and on and you have people too in there for petty crimes the majority of people that are locked up are locked up for drug crimes and petty crimes right and so when you have this misery in the inner, inner city what's expected
0: they're at the at the rally and then the occupation uh, camp out. Um, what do you What do you expect? Uh, you know, are, have you received community support along the way? Uh, what has been the reaction by, 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 by the board or the district, ad, um, you know, administration? What's going on there?
2: Well, we have a lot of community support. You know, as far as like the, 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 the rank and file teachers and the activists that we've known, you know, for our lifetimes in um, the in the newer, you know, occupier movement with that little solidarity in there. And so we have a lot of broad spread support in that sense, you know, for the action that we're doing today. But just in addition to that, every conversation that we have at every level, you know, um, there was somebody that, you know, like in the school safety division, she didn't specify what, marched along with us and held our, you know, for us, like saying, you know, I'm totally in solidarity with you. In my opinion, teachers should be to pay the salary that doctors are paid, you know? And then you talk about it on campus. I mean, everybody that, that's actually working at a school, you know, feels that pressure of not being able to get their job done because instead of doing the job of one, they're doing the job of six or seven. So we have that kind of, you know, solidarity. As our administration, you know, it goes different from campus to campus, but you know um, they understand why we're here. Whether or not they support it, you know, it's just another thing. But at least you know in our school, I, I think that they fully do support what we're doing. As far as the school district itself, I think there's going to be you know some kind of response. I don't know what, and I couldn't even begin to tell you what that might be. But I know that we're right now that the district um, is negotiating our contract with the union, and um, you know what they want us to do is to agree to have like all these strict measures put in um, to evaluations and the superintendent. Um Daisy he would also, it's also like a groom from the Eli Road Corporation. Um, what he would like us to do is to uh, have our test scores, you know, tied to uh, our salaries and incentives. And so that's kinda of crazy, especially when you think about some of the out of classroom teachers, some of the special education teachers that are also support staff, and it's like, what are well, you gonna tie, you know, teacher salary to test scores? Okay, you know, and what does it say that, that their level of care and concern for the student there?
0: Right, and so, and and also from our understanding, there's uh, something like a fifty-five million dollars surplus that's just sitting there, right? And, yeah,
2: uh, that's right. That's right. That's what I've heard too.
0: And I mean, so you have this money just sitting there, and then you have students without uh, chairs to sit on. You would think that, at minimum, there would be an effort to get some of those resources into the classroom.
2: You would think, you know, I mean, you would also think that people would, um, at the top, take a cut and pay. Or you would also think that some of this private contracting would stop. You know, I mean, you would also think that there would be some way uh, that they would try to spend the money that they have instead of mispend it on, like uh, someone within the, the district, you know, was talking about menus, about how they had uh, this certain budget and they ended up spending it on menus, printing menus, I guess, for people that purchase uh, food within the building. Rather than spending it on classroom, uh, classroom classroom supplies, and to me that doesn't make any sense. You know and So there's a lot of misspent money, and there's a lot of um, you know like under spending, especially if you know there's supposed to be some kind of plan in place to repay the schools. I mean that's a whole other thing. The whole budget, and I don't really you know um, know the whole ins and outs of It's hard for me to keep track. But I do know, you know, that the schools are suffering and that it's a local district problem, but it's also a nationwide problem, but it's also a state problem. As far as the state is concerned, you know, we've been operating with 20% less of our budget. The past, like, 20 years ago, the schools were funded 20% more. I mean, check out that. They were spending, they, they spent 20% more on schools back, you know, 20 years back, right? Well, our population has increased, and, you know, the cost of living has increased. So it's, it's sort of like there's not a correlation you know, between the reality and the needs of school systems. So I think it's obvious, you know, this kind of um, strategy to, to privatize, you know, our school system and to really just allow uh, education to occur for the people that have the means to pay for it, you know, this tiered system for the elite only.
0: Right. So uh, we want to thank you, compañera, for, for you know, you're, you're there in the middle of the, first taking off from from the the downtown center over to the school district now you all are there you guys are in a rally you guys have a press conference some of you're going to be camping out and so we want to thank you for for taking the time out on and and giving us some of the information and in this very important struggle that's taking down that's going down right now um, and on top of that, you're, you're also uh, a mother, and so I know that your children are with you, you're walking with the youth, and so this is like an f- entire community family movement. And so we do want to thank you for your time. Do you have any final comments for our, our listeners?
2: No, just, you know, you know uh, just to stay strong and keep the struggle. You know, and what we were seeing out here is um, don't private, what well, you say private is, we stay organized, and that's what we need, and that's what we need, is we need just to keep, keep organizing, because when this shit falls, we have to be the ones prepared to do to with it, right? So we need to start now and be organized and just keep moving forward. So I just want to tell your you know, your listeners out there, you know, thank you if they're in solidarity, you know, in heart and spirit or, or really come down and, you know, and show that support. And that's what I would say is, you know, occupy every space that you're at, you know, take it over. Don't let anybody be your boss and push you around because, you know, we need to take back what is rightfully ours for the people.
0: Right on. And and while you're still on the line, I'm going to go ahead and give out the numbers here that we got from your uh, Occupy LAUSD website. The number to call to get a hold of some of the organizers of Occupy LAUSD are 323 500 0232. Or you could just check out the website at www.occupylausd.org. Muchas gracias, compañera. A ustedes. Muchas
2: gracias.
1: Thank you very much, Kelly Flores, for all your wonderful words and your wonderful actions. This is our first song for today. It's called Caminaré with Fabi, featuring Big Dan. Todavía,
2: nos están de Todavía nos están la renta a Nos cortan los servicios, no tenemos salud médica que es buena y digna y gratis como debería
0: Hey, how you doing, carnal? I'm
3: doing good. Thank you for having me, bro.
0: Yeah, you know what, man? Thank you for taking time from your day. Uh, we know that, you know, as organizers, we always say uh, in our interviews, because we try to interview uh, mainly organizers, activists, people uh, in the struggle, it's hard to find some time, you know, to reflect and, and, and uh, ask questions and learn from each other's struggles. So, you know, we appreciate your, your, your time here with us today um so so it's the you know we we were talking about uh what was happening with the brothers uh in particular that that were doing the hunger strike um we wanted to ask uh first of all, if you could before we begin do a, an introduction about the work you do, you know um and why you do it
3: Sure. sure, so no, first of all, thank you also for covering because uh a lot of people out there really believe in justice or they think they do but they don't cover real justice or the fight towards obtaining, securing, you know, real democracy justice. So it's important for me to give a shout-out back to all those comunidades and people who are actually taking the time, and sometimes risk, because when you're doing this type of work, you take a uh, risk in push, pushing yourself out there, especially when people don't agree with your politics or are ready to assassinate your character. So gracias to the Emisora and to everyone out there who's listening as well. So it's important to recognize I'm a formerly incarcerated person, and the reason I state that from the onset is because i got to give light and a voice for people who are behind the cages, and most of the time we're framed in the media as, as a negative uh, influence, as a boogie person, boogie man, and we're attacked and vilified, you know, through TV shows and whatnot. So I'm part of an agency called All of Us or None, Todos or Nadie, and what that concept entails. It's a movement of gente who have done time, formerly incarcerated people, who are saying "Jabasta, you will not continue to terrorize our family. And we will raise up, uh, exert ourselves as people that want self-determination, that want to be able to control our own fate and take it away from the hands of entities, governments, corporations, and people that don't have our best interests. So we fight discrimination that we face uh, every day from housing, employment, to life insurance. Another thing we do is we amplify the voices of people inside, people behind them cages. What I mean by that is, there's a lot of gente, uh, people incarcerated, who don't have a voice. No tienen voces. Voces sin voces, right? So they have a voice, but it's not amplified. There's no volume to it, unless it's being brought out by, by the media in negative light through, lock, uh, through shows like uh, NBC Lockdown, and even that shows, those type of shows don't really exemplify the real voices of people inside. But they're nitpicked to further exemplify or to propagate that the system is needed. It's incarcerate in our penal system and i want to stand out in, uh, like many of us from the, our organization and members throughout the country that you know we cannot incarcerate our way out of social problems
0: that's right man no you know what and uh, now that you mentioned all of us are none i actually had the opportunity several years ago believe it or not in los angeles you had a couple of representatives there that that were laying it down man that were talking about about uh, a new book that had come out, uh, the Golden Cage, I believe it was called. Uh, breaking it down, how how there's a profit uh, industry behind the 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 whole prison industrial complex, what they how they framed it, you know. Right. So so none we 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 thank you, man, and and all the compañeros and compañeras, brothers and sisters that are uh, taking it upon yourselves uh, within all of us or none and getting organized to to uh, do something about amplifying the voices for those. Within the cages, but also outside in the communities, because outside in the communities, we're dealing with a lot of the same issues, ¿que no?
3: No, that's true. That's true. From ganging junctions to attacks on our our communities, foreclosures and whatnot... And uh, when we talk about unemployment, when we talk about economic crisis, we sometimes only think of the ma- the majority class or, 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 or the middle class, no, that are going through it. But usually, whether it's good times in the economy or bad times, my gente, are people have been formally convicted sometimes, just the branding of accepting a deal, saying, no, you know, no plea, no no lo contender, which means you take a, a plea, even though you didn't do it, you didn't want to go to the ringer and, and take a, a, a chance of striking out. That branding can exclude you from living your life like most people do here in America, you know, and the privilege, being able to have housing and employment. So it's important that these attacks on our community, when they're being attacked, there's just a population that's always going through, and that's the immigrant community, and that's the formerly incarcerated community. And we're both of the time being thrown under the bus by everyone. Sometimes it's each other it's, uh, because our politics might necessarily be uh, aligned with each other. And the reality is that we're being oppressed regardless if you're from the LGBT community, the immigrant community, or a prisoner, or a former prisoner, that we're all being uh, attacked, and I think it's about coming through with the united Fund and saying, you know, that's that's enough, and now we gotta re- reserve ourselves as human beings and, and, and fight for human dignity.
0: That's right, man. And in regards to uh, this, is a good uh, segue to to uh, the topic we wanted to, uh, or the struggle, I should say, because it's not a topic, it's a struggle uh, of of prisoner uh, rights, uh, whether they're male or female, young or old, and and we wanted to get an update because. Alongside what you just said, which was right on how the corporate mass media um, vilifies and criminalizes, right? It also sometimes just literally deletes or does not even report at all on what's happening with something like, for example, uh, the prisoner hunger strikes that that were being led out of first with the brothers and, uh, and sisters up in the north uh, of California, and in particular in Pelican Bay, and then it spread across. So we wanted to give a space in our show for today here in Cuba La Raza to talk about that struggle and w- what happened, where it's at, and how people could uh, continue to be involved. You know what I'm saying? So can you give us a little bit of a breakdown on 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 that particular struggle?
3: No, most definitely. And, and, you know, it saddens me before we start that they had to go through this way. You know, nobody wants to self-destruct. On July 1st, after years, after different challenges to try to stop torture, um, people inside Pelican Bay say Prison, other prisons decided to go on hunger strike to oppose. It was a peaceful hunger strike to oppose torture. And when I, I'm going to go into more detail, but I want to explain what torture is. Torture is being left in a cell as big as your bathroom with no windows for 15, 20, or 25 years. Torture is not to be allowed access to medical care, to address a treatable medical condition because you do not provide information on another inmate. You know, torture is be, be, is to be given spoiled food or substandard quality of food and food or lack of food to be used as punishment. Torture is not to be able to talk to someone else of rasa descent or of indigenous descent. So for those of us who are listening, imagine if you can't talk to your jefita, your sister, your brother, your son for years. Because you don't want to compromise your human uh, value, your human dignity. You don't want to give up and say, I, don't want to, I, want
2: to, I want to
3: give up fighting for the rights of other people in, in, in developing countries or outside here in America with so much homelessness going on. I refuse to say that I'm, I support the status quo. Because when we start talking about what CDC, California Department of de Corrections, it's not even about rehabilitation, so I won't even mention the R aspect to it, because there's no rehabilitation inside the CDCR so when cdcr is basically pushing out the notion that these people who have gone on hunger strike are the worst of the worst that they are uh the, the worst kind of person in the in the world right that does, that's just being done to justify their torturous barbarous actions ¿Me Entiende? so these people are basically torturing people under the guise that these people deserve to be tortured because they are the worst of the worst, they're the gang members lo que sea but the reality is from our own personal experience as a prisoner inside cdc it can't get any worse th- than cdc because the minute you're inside there's no transparency there's no accountability there are guards there who are trying to make your life as much miserable as possible and what happens is that you have conditions of confinement that don't that you wouldn't think happen within america's uh territory you know mm-hmm. but international human rights bodies have declared long-term isolation as a human rights violation so when these people are being held in these uh soundproof sales for 15, 20, 25 years, I think a month is a long time to be without talking to somebody else. So to be held that long and then being told that in order for you to get out, you got to snitch, it's not even about snitching no more. It's now about humiliation. They want you to go back and say, I don't believe in Emiliano Zapata. They want you to say, I I, I don't care about the struggle towards uh, self-determination. They want you to basically deny your right to exist by basically saying, I need to be incarcerated in this subhuman condition of confinement because this will help me be free. So a lot of what's going on is that C D C is refusing to negotiate or you seriously consider the five core demands set forth by the people on hunger strike. So this hunger strike, there was five core demands and in brief, right? They were to end group punishment, to abolish the snitch or die policy, which is the briefing policy where they want you to snitch on another gang member, to end long term solitary confinement to provide adequate and nutritious food, and five was to expand um, and provide constructive programming and, and privilege for people that had an indefinite uh, shoe status sentence. So it's important to recognize that when we're talking about people in La cárcel in La Pinta, these are human beings, and they were, these people that went on hunger strike were not asking to be released. They were not asking for five star, uh, or for uh, privileges or, or, or incentives to accommodate the people on five-star hotels. They were just basically saying, Treat me as a human being. If you want me to go home and be a contributing member of la sociedad, of our society, treat me as, as, as you want to be treated so I can be able to go back to my family.
0: Right, because you know, through that solitary confinement for that many years and then and then uh uh having the capacity as a human to come out of something like that, of that terror, right, that's being brought upon you by the state, um, is very difficult, you know? Uh and, and so so uh it's if somebody is released you know how difficult is that you know how how, what has been the experience for folks that that have survived uh these shoes or or even just confinement in general the pinta how difficult is that to uh uh, you know come back into into las comunidades you know can you speak a little bit to that well you know most definitely
3: it's difficult as i only did a a six-year sentence my last time around that's the last time i I ever set foot or will set foot, unless I'm going in there to help people inside, right? It's hard because I want to equate that to post, what they call PTSD, right? And this is a psychological term that comes out in the DSM manual, right? And for me, it's even deeper than that. It's post, post-colonial stress disorder. And what I mean by, by that is that you, 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 you come out, like somebody's coming out from a war-torn area, either Iraq, Somalia, Afghanistan, you know, lo like I sea. I, I, and you come back here because you you have uh, conditions of confinement that mimic that of war-torn areas, you know, where guards are setting up fights, where guards are, are making sure that people are divided so they can be able to rule them, you know, in, in, the, in the most inhumane way as possible for for them to make sure that energy and focus is not on them, but on the people fighting each other, the, on raza on raza, black on brown, black on white, you name it, right? So you have you have to live with false enemies because most times, People who really understand where they come from, they know that at the end of the day, the real enemy are the guards. The real enemy is the administration that wants to keep us fighting. So, you know, Pelican Bay State Prison, for example, was designed to be the end of the line. And by, by that I mean the model for not only prison in the US but throughout the world to follow when it comes to like the end of the line as tough being as tough as it gets. Mm-hmm. And I haven't done time in Pelican Bay, but the stories that I got from people inside, it's like they have a, a doctor, a chief medical doctor out there, a sire who's considered Doctor Death, Doctor Muerte, because he's no joke. People are afraid of him. When you got convicts who are afraid of another human being, people that are supposed to be the worst of the worst, right? But there really is human beings who have been tortured. When they're saying, "I'm afraid of that doctor," it's because he has a history, from my understanding, and from that of inside of 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 inflicting pain, torture, and in some cases, death. When you have guards there who 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 reject. Or uh, who don't necessarily pay attention to people inside who, during the hunger strike, uh, as a form of extreme retaliation, withhold water and vitamins. You know, in, in certain pintas, when when when, when there were reports from prisoners that many men were collapsing in their cells and that the guards were doing nothing when alerted. You know, when we we have reports that the infirmary was so full and that prisoners needing medical care were being transferred out to different places. You know, so the all this is going on, instead of addressing the core, the five core demands, it would have been simpler, it would have been more honest, it would have been more humane to at least look into them and say, well, I'm going to figure out how do we work towards that. And I think it's important to recognize that sometimes in the back of our minds, if we don't understand pandillas, if we don't understand the culture of so-called gangs, that we get this notion, ah, son los peores de peores, son los, los pandilleros, they deserve nothing but to be treated as the way they treat people. We have to we have to understand something. Is that the minute you become organized, you begin to organize yourself and others inside for better conditions of confinement, to be treated as a human being, to be able to better yourself? Is the minute you become a candidate for the OYO, for the security housing unit? Hmm. Is that,
0: does that make myself clear on that? Yeah. In other words, when, when you become a, a, a human that's working to build a, a more beautiful society based on the basic social justice values, um, all of a sudden you become a target. And, and so in other words, you're trying to bring positivity out and they come down with a heavy hammer of, of repression.
3: Correct. Correct. You cannot get caught with a book on Che, for example. You cannot get caught on books exemplifying the life of Tupac Amaru and all the freedom fighters of, of South America. You can't get caught with books around like George Jackson, Blood in My Eye. You can't get caught with certain books that the institution is deemed to be gang material. But oh,
4: damn, when we look at it, some of these books material? are just
3: asking or are, are framing the, the, a different world, right? A vision where a world without capital or, 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 or politics transcending human consideration, a world where people are valued over a lot of these other things that are very meaningless or that are more material, you know? So it's important when we start, when we hear the terms, oh, los pandieros, the worst of the worst. That that's the false screen of CDCR. That's what they're pushing out to cover their maldad, to cover the the the, the, the torturous uh, uh, behavior against pre- people inside, you know, because they want to keep us divided. See, as long as they keep me fighting somebody from L.A., as long as they keep an African trying to hurt a white person or a white person trying to hurt a, a black person, they can continue to, to, to profit off us. They continue to give the notion that we need to build more prisons while our schools are being shut down. They continue to give the notion that we need cárceles. And the reality, if we put more energy into healing, into our comunidad, into our familia, the cornerstone of our society, of our world, right, then, of course, a lot of problems will solve themselves. But this multi-billion-dollar industry of profiting off prisoners, off their families, of the military, and all, all these stuff are inter, inextricably interrelated. It's now people are starting to get aware of it, little by little, you know, through these kind of conversations. Tough and difficult, my brother, y mi gente, but it's needed to have that we're not going to continue to be fooled by what the prison guards officials have been pushing out, by prison uh, executive producer or by television executive producer pushing shows like Oz, like Prison Break, like, you know, like uh, all these different shows that make it seem like the hint that worst of the worst are inside when the worst of the worst are in my opinion Pelican Bay, San Quentin, Chino, and all the prisons out here that that, that 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 mimic Guantanamo Bay, that mimic, you know, Abu Ghraib and international places that we've deemed to be uh inhumane.
0: Yeah, yeah. In other words, it's it's uh one definition somewhere like in, in Guantanamo and uh, uh detention uh concentration camp uh being held in, in Iraq. Or Afghanistan, there's a certain definition of what's humane was inhumane, but here in these territories, you know that just kind of goes uh, under the rug, you know.
3: Right, right.
0: Uh so so what's what is the latest on on the the strike itself? Um, from our understanding, there's some new developments that uh, we want everybody to know about, and then and then uh, you know kind of describe uh, perhaps towards the end, you know what what could be done. To support for uh you know continue supporting, all of us or none and all the other prison solidarity and prison organizing projects that are happening.
3: Sure, sure. Now I want to make something clear that when I was organizing, when we've been organizing as all of us or none, or the bigger organization called Legal Services for with Children that houses all of us or none here in the Bay Area, is the fact that we were always doing in the offices of the Prisoner Hunger Strike Solidarity Coalition. Why? Because. When I'm speaking or when any of my fellow organizers, compañeras are speaking, it's not necessarily about me or us per se. but It's about the voices, in this particular case, of the people inside, right? So it's important for us to exemplify that we're in solidarity, you know? We're we're, we're supporting the demands, we're supporting the efforts set forth because they were the ones that went on hunger strike. So what happened is that uh, as of last Thursday, Certain people, certain uh, representatives from the hunger strike in Pelican Bay decide to call it quits for the time being. Because the purpose of a hunger strike for those people who are not familiar is that it's done as a last resort. Una huelga de hambre lo hacen como algo que ya no se puede hacer nada más, ¿me entiende? No quieren uh, tomar violencia o, 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 o hacer acciones de violencia, no quieren hacer acciones que van a poner gente en peligro. So what I mean by that is that when everything else, Sales, when you try the courts and the courts don't work, when you try the media but the media is banned, when you try legislative or administrative approaches and they don't work, then you figure I'm being held in solitary confinement. I can't hurt no one, nor do I want to hurt anyone. I will do what I can from my point, my perspective, from my vantage point to make sure that I amplify the torturous conditions I'm going through. So when you have people from all different factions who normally would be at each other's throat based on uh, prison uh, manufactured violence, segregation, and racism, what you have now is people saying, you know, we know what the real problem is, we know who the real enemy is, and, you know, we're going to stand together as an act of solidarity to tell people in, in, in other places throughout the world this is what's happening to us. You don't have to go to Guantanamo Bay or Afghanistan or Iraq. We have our own contemporary Guantanamo Bay here, you know? So what happened is that these people... Went on hunger strike, and what they did was they were able to get national as well as international attention from other people who also went on hunger strike, who show solidarity. So, other people in other prisons recently called it off. Calipatria was probably one of the last prisons, and I'm not, I can't speak 100% that it's that the strike has been called off because there might be people still on strike for their own personal reasons that jumped on board, you know. So I think it's important for the audience, for the people que están oyendo, that there could potentially be other people who are still on hunger strike. Because we, we, we don't have access to, to hearing the voices directly from people inside, you know? Yeah, so at right. the time being, right now, as far as we understand, is that most people in Pelican in, in Bay, most people in, in, in other prisons have decided to go off hunger strike for the time being. But it's our duty. It's my duty. It's the duty of all those who have been informed to be able to continue to, to, to push towards securing the demands of the people inside. So we must keep up the pressure on Governor Jerry Brown y el Departamento de Corrección, CDCR, that we must address the five core demands and win them. And it's important because if not, our future children, nuestros niños en el futuro, nuestros nietos, their life is in, 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 in peril when they're, ju- when they're using local law enforcement to secure their name on the gang databases. So, si, si ahorita decimos, eso no nos afecta, this doesn't affect us. Nah, you know, this is so far. Well, they're planning our kids and our grandkids and our nephews' future right now. And if we allow this torture to happen, we, 15, 20 years down the line, we're going to individually be fighting for our own children, especially the Raza. They have a plan for us. And they're doing that when they're building more prisons and schools, when they're building detention centers for our gente who are coming across the borders to seek a better life so they can feed their family back home because the resources are being taken by corporations back home. They have a plan, and we have to fight them and say, no. Our plan is to make sure that our kids have enough to eat in the future, that our kids can determine their own fate. So one of the concrete steps, una cosa que le le voy a pedir a, a la comunidad que me está oyendo, is that we demand, we go back and urge local legislators Local gente uh, that represents us in our districts, whether it's in, in, in Pomona, and, in Oxnard, and also from, in that place in Southern California, San Bernardino, Bay Area, San Diego, is to go back and urge the local legislators to go visit the people that went on huelga de hambre, on a hunger strike, so they can hear their own voices of what, went, what how they've been tortured. ¿Me entiende? Right. Yeah, that's so yeah it's because for us it's to keep a, that pressure.
0: It's an actual like visual and human to human information. You know,
3: right, right. And we and we have to urge legislators because we, we elect them there for a reason. We don't elect them just to be elected. We want them to represent our voices, and we have to put the pressure. assa we, we are important because we, we help sustain the California economy. We help sustain California families. They can try to separate us and pin us against each other what those that have papeles or that don't have papeles. But at the end of the day, we make California thrive. We make California uh, a, a move, you know, becoming a, a thriving economy. So it's important that our Raza is listening to take action because one of the biggest populations being tortured inside the penitentiary are Latinos, a Raza. Not exclusively, but a Raza. Um, hold a big population inside of gente that are being uh, uh, tortured, that are being uh, oppressed, that are being um, uh, imprisoned. So important that we talk to Victor Manuel Perez or Luis Alejo and all the Raza representative Mendoza. You know, Tom Amiano, a local legislator here in the San Francisco Bay Area, is supporting our effort. But we need more legislators to come on board because he alone can't do it, you know?
0: That's right. There's uh, power in numbers and organization, you know, and there's this is why the work that y'all are doing is is uh is very important and, and which is why we seen it important to outreach and, and get 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 the, the, the voices of those that are uh on the in particular solidarity work, but and 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 representation of the leaders, right? The leaders are the ones that are risking it all uh within the shoe, um and, and within the pinta, you know. So so we do uh we appreciate um, you know, that that work and, and um can you tell us a little bit about how people uh, can perhaps maybe find out more information, um, get in contact with some other groups that are out there doing this type of work in case somebody wants to plug in. Sure, most
3: definitely. So there's a lot of groups that, are, that I, I got a lot of respect for, especially in Southern
0: California
3: and in the Valley and in, in the Bay Area up north. right? But the website that I will push out first before I go in there is a Prisoner, Hunger Strike, Solidarity DT dot wordpress.com once again it's prisoner hunger strike solidarity dot wordpress.com sometimes you put in the word hunger strike solidarity or prisoner will get you that website right okay. or they can call here at the office here with with one another agency that's been doing an organization that's been doing a lot of good work critical resistance at 510-444-0484 and then down there is we have the justice coalition in LA area we have different agencies who are doing who are doing great, great, great work, you know. And the main important thing is, th- is that, it's, you know, it w- the leaders emerge every day, you know. Leaders emerge not only in the prison system who are not necessarily considered leaders by the administration or by other prisoners, but the way I define the palabra or the, the leader mm-hmm. is people doing the everyday work towards, you know, towards uplifting the community, towards self-determination. And they, sometimes they emerge off a phone call, sometimes off... You know, of going to a class and learning more about cultura, you know, and how that cures a lot of our ailments in our in our communities, you know. So don't don't we can't wait for leadership. What I'm trying to say, we are our own leaders. Learn. We are our own liberators, and I think that's important for our community. Those who are listening to recognize that, like you mentioned, there's, there's numbers in power, but we need to be educated numbers. We need to be a, a, a population that has a rich history. Going back to our indigenous people, our gente indígena, tenemos una cultura y una y una historia bien, bien, bien rica que tenemos que, 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 que capturar y apreciar y, y vivir, no? And that's important, I think, in my opinion, that that's how we start to move forward as 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 raza and as uh, and as in for our humanity
0: as well. Right on, man. And before we let you go, my brother, um, my compañero here, who's a a, a guest host, Julio. Um, he's here to read a little bit that we actually got from the website that you were asking us to go to. Uh, he's going to read a quote from actually one of the, the hunger strikers that, that, uh, that participated in that.
1: A caged man is a spirit trapped in steel. Leave him alone and his spirit becomes one with his cage. It's all he knows. Motivate him, nurture and socialize him. And his spirit soars. It's only then that the man realizes the difference between him and his cage, the reasons for it. Thus allowing him to finally
0: be free from it. Right on. There you go, man. That was deep. That was yeah, that we we seen that and and uh we thought it was important where where you know we bring a human face to, to what's happening and and what they want to consider us just numbers. You know what I'm saying, carnal?
3: No, no, no. like I said, it's beautiful. In fact, uh, that's one of my uh, quotes that's kept me up, you know, because
0: the the
3: the way that the strike ended has, you know, raised a lot of issues and concerns. Personally, for me, is is that I, well, I don't want no one to pass away, you know, and of course we want people to be able to live, you know, that these brothers out here were, we're, we're willing to go all the way and that, it ended you know, because people didn't necessarily want to die. That was not the purpose of the hunger strike. It was to bring light to a dark condition to a dark circumstance, you know circumstances. So I think that last uh, poem that the brother just read was powerful because it exemplified what they are inside individually fighting you know to be able to be free and to be able to be, to be able to have human dignity, preserve that you know
0: all right brother. Um bueno, pues let's stay in touch. Uh we got our the information. We want our listeners to check out the uh the the website that we mentioned earlier and which we'll mention again at the end of the show. So again, compañero, muchas gracias and thank you for your time, brother.
3: Gracias a usted y a todo el que está oyendo.
0: All right, man. Arato. All right, bro. Orale, that was our carnal, our brother, uh Manuel Lafante organizing up there in the Bay Area and beyond, working with a bunch of organizations from Southern California all the way to the Norte, all the way across state lines, doing what we need to do, which is uh, not forget that there's our, uh, human beings behind the prison that do not deserve to be treated like if they're nothing, you know. And so, you know, thank you, Carnal, for, for those words. Um, before we, we leave today, uh, we want to just open it up and, and give a last-minute shout-outs right here with our one of our guest co-hosts. Uh, Julio, and, and and Julio, what do you think, man? What you think about today's show, man?
1: Dude, this was tight. We podcasted out of La Colonia in Oxnard, and this is the first time I've ever done this over here, and so it was a lot of fun. I really want to thank Louis Moreno for uh, pulling me over in front of Guadalupe Church the other day and you know, telling me that you guys were doing this. And Chavo, you're a great, great voice um, out here in, in Radioland Land. So keep it up man you know and and I know I know a lot of people really respect you and really like to listen to all this knowledge so thank you thank you for bringing all, all your you know all your efforts together
0: excellent man and look man like we said earlier here we are in a little room we barely fit in here but look we have all the tools necessary to to uh you know bring the palabra out to the communities and 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 I'm happy that compa Louis ran into you yeah. just across the street right here at yeah. the church you know because <laughs> You know, we all have these skills and talents, man. Like you, brother uh, Julio, you know, you for the longest have been doing a lot of video, photography, you know, casting, you know, we uh, art and all its forms, whether whether art and media and all its forms is a form of resistance, bro. What do you think about that?
1: No, I think that uh, different people have a different way of expressing themselves. You know, um, I mean, you could easily just compare it to introverts, outroverts. Mm -hmm. You know, some people like to be very vocal, very, you know, in front. Some people like to be behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And so art kind of gives you that that element. Some people don't want to show up to a protest, but they will make a big ass banner that is just roaring, you know? Or some people will not go in front of, you know, a space, you know, and speak, but yet they will get on the microphone and just, you know, say some magical words that someone just needed to hear to make them go out into the streets and do what they have to do.
0: Yeah, man. Just like when you read that that uh, that little poem excerpt from the prisoner that was in the hunger strike. Right. I know it hit my corazon just by you reading it. And for sure I know Brother Emmanuel, our, our guest today, he, he lives and breathes that, you know, because right. he was there before.
1: You know? Yeah, and it's once again, it was like those words and just I mean, I got inspired. That's why I had to read it a couple of times just to get that full flavor, you know?
0: Right, right, man. It's it's like you said, magical, man. Right. And it's it's that that uh, art and that, that that power of, of, of the color. creation creation, brother. man. Creation. So, so, you know, it's it's been a great show. You know, we wanna thank you all of our listeners out there. And if you can share this and spread it. Uh, you know, we come out only once a month. Our goal is to later come out more than once a month, hopefully once a week, then once a day. That way, being rather than being bomb- bombarded with commercials and corporate media, you'll be bombarded with uh, love, revolution, consciousness, cultura, consciousness, you know. So, uh, like we always do, we, uh, uh, you already thanked them, Julio, but I want to thank uh, Brother our producer Louis Moreno because uh, you know it was the uh, idea and the vision of the Raza Press Media Association right. to do something like this right. you know we were talking about it years ago but now it's becoming to fruition when right. we started in May so all right so please tune in check out the, our website razapressassociation.org be looking out not only for the podcast but very soon we're going to come out with our winter edition of the guerreros guerreras de la pluma because we believe that, that even within the prisoner movement that we were talking about, there's mujeres and hombres involved, all our families involved. It's not just male, female, etc. It's all of us in the, in the struggle. So check out our website and uh, you know, spread the word and spread the knowledge about what's happening uh, around you. And if you want us to interview you about a struggle that you have, give us, uh, give us a ring, uh, email us. You know, you'll find all of our information on that same website. We're going to leave you with this song. And those of us that grew up here in the barrio, we know exactly what this song is about, and there's very few political uh, hip-hop rap artists that are out there still holding it down, like Brother KR is one you know what I'm Word. saying? So, you know, we thought it was appropriate to throw this one in because what's happening you know it's like kelly today said from the the school to prison pipeline right so you know when the community you know the youngsters were walking down the street and the, we're getting harassed by the police next door we're behind bars
1: mm-hmm. so
0: this song talks a little bit about about, about state sponsored repression and uh and the and the prison right and and what's happening on the street with the police brutality which by the way on october 22nd is one it's a national anti-police brutality day and week mm. so be out there and if you could find any any way you could plug in to help either the teachers and students that are, are, are organizing um, against the cutbacks and the prisoners that are fighting for basic human dignity orale pues we're going to leave you with that's the sound of the police by KRS-One <whistles> that's the sound of
4: the police <whistles> that's, the of the <whistles> that's the sound of the police <whistles> that's the yes, sound of the police that's the sound of the police